Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. You're listening to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmati. Thank you once again for joining me. Today, I have another exciting podcast with a man named Daryl Urbanski. Now, Daryl is a very well-known business coach. So today, quite something different for you. This is all about what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Uh, Daryl is also a martial artist, so he uses a lot of analogies from his sporting, as we do in this podcast, from his sporting life and how that helps him in his career and also helping others build uh, businesses. Now, he's helped over 1,000 businesses in his career in 50 different industries, and this guy knows how to grow and scale and overcome problems. So he's a real expert in this area, and I really enjoyed our conversation. Before we head over to Daryl in Vietnam, I just wanted to remind you, if you're into uh, finding out all about your genes and what they have to say about you and how you can influence your genes to live your optimal lifestyle and be your best self, then make sure you check out what we do in our epigenetic program. So this is all about understanding your genes and how they are expressing at the moment, how the environment is influencing them, and then optimizing everything uh, from your food to your your, uh, exercise, right through to your mindset, your social, your career, all aspects of life are covered in this really revolutionary program. Now, this program is not something that we've put together. This has been put together by literally hundreds of scientists from 15 different science disciplines, all working together for over 20 years to bring this really next level cutting edge information about your genes and how you can find out how to optimize them. You know, no longer do you need trial and error. You can work out what the best diet is, when the best time to eat is, exactly the right foods to eat, right down to the level of, you know, eat bok choy, don't eat spinach, that type of thing. And as, But it's so much more than just a food and exercise. It also looks at uh, your health and anything that may be uh, troubling you in future and how to deal with it. So it's a really comprehensive program, and I'd love you to check it out. You can visit us at lisatarmati.com, hit the Work With Us button, and you'll see our epigenetics program. We've also got our online run coaching as normal, our customized, personalized run training system where we make a plan specific to you and to your needs and your goals and you get a session with me, a one-on-one session with me and a video, a full video analysis of your running so that we can help you improve your style, your form, your efficiency, plus a full-on plan that includes all your strength training, your mobility workouts and a great community, of course. So make sure you check that out at runninghotcoaching.com. And the last thing before we go over to the show I have just started uh, a, a new venture with Dr. Elena Siranova, who is a molecular biologist from the UK, originally um, from Russia, and she is an expert in autophagy and stem cells, and she has made a supplement called NMN. Now, you may have heard of this, nicotinamide mononucleotide. It's a big, fancy word, I know, but you will be hearing more about this. It's uh, been on the Joe Rogan show. It's 
yeah, been on Dr. Rhonda Patrick's show. Some big names are now um, talking all about this uh, amazing longevity compound, anti-aging compound. Now, this is based on the work of Dr. David Sinclair, who wrote the book Lifespan, Why We Age and or How We Age and Why We Don't Need To. He is a Harvard Medical School researcher who has been studying longevity and anti-aging and is at the really the world's forefront of all the technologies to do with turning the clock back and who doesn't want to do that so i've teamed up with dr alina to import nicotinamide mononucleotide our supplement from nmn bio uh, into new zealand in australia so if you are keen to get your hands on some because this was not available prior in new zealand um I wanted a reputable company, a place that I could really uh, know that the, the supplements that I'm getting is quality, that it's been lab tested, that there is a scientist behind it, a lab behind it, and this is the real deal. Now, I've been on this now for four months, and so is my mum and my husband, and I've noticed massive changes in my life. Um, certainly, weight loss has been one of those things, that stubborn last couple of kilos that I've been fighting uh, have gone without any muscle loss, which has been really very interesting. It improves also cardiovascular health, your memory, cognition the speed of your thinking, all the things that start to decline as you age. And the reason this is happening is because we have declining levels of NAD, another big word, nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. And this NMN is a precursor for NAD. So Lots of big words, lots of science. If you want to find more about that, you can head over to lisatamati.com. Under the shop button, you'll find out all about our anti-aging supplement, NMN. Um, and we're about to launch a new website, which will be nmnbio.nz, but that's not quite up there yet, but it probably is by the time this, this podcast comes out. So check that one out too, nmnbio.nz, bio, just B-I-O. If you want to stop, well, not completely stop aging, but if you want to slow the clock down and get the best information that's out there, then make sure you read Dr. David Sinclair's book, Lifespan. It's absolute game changer. You'll be absolutely amazed at some of the stuff that's happening and what uh, nicotinamide mononucleotide can already do. So check that out. Okay, without further ado, over to the show with Daryl Urbanski. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have the lovely Daryl Urbanski with me, who is sitting in Da Nang in Vietnam. And Daryl, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode, because usually I've got some health science thing or um, some elite athlete doing, well, not to say that Daryl's not an elite athlete, because he is into martial arts, but Daryl's specialty and what he's come to share with you guys today is he is a business expert and a marketing expert, um, and also a mindset expert I would like to say so Daryl welcome to the show fantastic to have you yeah it's an honor and pleasure to be here we we've had some good conversations uh like like minds two birds you know birds yep. of a feather and uh it's just an honor and pleasure to be here yeah, thank you so much, Daryl, for coming on today. So Daryl and I cross paths by his uh, lovely lady who organizes half of my life as far as the business side of things goes. So that's been fantastic, that liaison. And um, But Daryl was actually here on his own accord. And he's – so, Daryl, I want you to give us a bit of a brief background. Where have you come from? How did you end up in Vietnam? And what do you do for a living? Right. So I'm Canadian. So I'm from Canada. Um, 
traveled all over the world and I, I don't know if it's too short where so I, so that's where I come from I ended up in Vietnam oh, that's a long story so I guess I'm Canadian I'm in Vietnam I help businesses and websites get customers and keep them um, to make more money and that's really kind of it in a nutshell you know it's been a long journey uh, when I was a kid you know, I was an orphan and my adopted family, actually my step adopted dad's the one that really raised me and his brother, my uncle, I would see, we would visit him every time we went to Toronto and he was a bit of an entrepreneur. Uh, he also did some property management and that. And I, every time we went to visit, I almost felt like he was kind of like the godfather. What mm -hmm. I meant was like, people were always coming by with like a gift basket or to thank him for something. <laughs> So the impression that was put in my mind was like to be an entrepreneur is to be of service to the community wow. and to get people's, you know, respect and adoration for the good that you're bringing. And that was really like, I know there's all sorts of different, like here's salesmen and, you know, everyone's got different images, but that was when I was a young kid, I was like, wow, I want to be valued by my community too. So that really laid an impression on me at a young age. Uh, you know, and Canada, I didn't have the lemonade stand, you know, I didn't mow lawns, <laughs> but I did shovel driveways. We have so much snow in Canada in the wintertime, you know, we would shovel driveways for money. I did have a newspaper route, um, you know, and just at a young age, I just kind of felt maybe because I was an orphan, but I felt the need to be uh, self-sufficient yep. and self-directed. Um, yeah. Charge you know. of your own ship, really. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, I just... You know, I also had issues like I, I did uh, air cadets when I was a kid and I there's some other kids. They were using their authority outside of cadets to try to, like, you know, lord over people and stuff. And right away, I kind of learned at a young age, you kind of have to be careful. Um, you know, you can manage up. Let's just put it that way. It's not just managing down, but you can manage up and you can choose who's above you, too. You know, it's a two way street. So that really laid an impression on me at a young age. And then when I was 17, I, I did a co-op in university with a company called marketme.ca. And they were just one of the early pioneers of online marketing. Wow. Got me into, into the whole business growth avenue. And yeah. The rest is history. We'll rest dive into history. it. Yeah, no, that, that's fabulous. So you, from like uh, in my young years, like I was an entrepreneur from the get-go. I never fit in a, in anybody's corporate square box. <laughs> I tried. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, failed. Try. <laughs> I tried, I failed. Uh, did, did you have that feeling like you were just outside of the, like you just wanted to be in charge? Because you've been in business basically since you were 17 years old um, for, and, and you've learned a heck of a lot on this massive business journey that you've been on and you've helped, I know that you've helped over 1,000 businesses um, in 50 plus industries uh, and you've you've really grown into this role of helping businesses scale up and, and grow and and develop your own systems around this. But did you have an idea when you were that 17-year-old that this was where you were going and this was the direction no. or has it sort of meandered throughout time? No, I, I, you know, I was, a because I think um, I had a lot of, they say like, you know, everything I'm not made me everything that I am and um, not knowing my biological roots in that as a kid left me really to kind of begin the path of self-discovery, you could say, from a young age. A lot of confusion, maybe anger in my younger years as well. Um, but what really made the difference, at least in the earliest days, was when I, when I was 17, I did a, a Canadian government program called Katimovic, which means meeting place. It's Inuit, which 
a lot of people call them Eskimos, but now mm -hmm. we say the people of the North, mm -hmm. the natives of the North, they're Inuit, which means snow people. Eskimo means meat eater or flesh eater. Um, so they don't like being called Eskimos. We call them Inuit, but mm -hmm. Katimavik is an Inuit word and it means meeting place. And it's a government program that's been on and off over the last 40, 50 years in Canada. And really what the, when I did it, what the, the terms of the program were, uh, you know, it's a social program sponsored by the government. Um, you 17 to 21 year old youths, And what they do is they put a group of 10 kids together and the group of 10 kids is supposed to represent Canada. So what that means is that they grab some from the East coast, the West coast, from up North, you you know, they try to make it. So it's, it's representative. Like we had half guys, half girls, um, you know, French, we had three French speakers, right. Then the English speakers, we had a, an Inuit guy, Kenny, who, when he came, he actually didn't even speak English. He spoke wow. only too. And we always knew when the phone was for Kenny because we'd answer phone be like, hello. They'd be like, Kenny, this is for you. You got, I don't know what's happening. Either it's a bad connection or this is someone they have clicks in their language. Um, you know, and, and that program, what we did when I did it was we spent three months in British Columbia, three months in Alberta, and three months in Quebec. And in every province, uh, there was a house. And uh, um, in that house, there was a project manager, or a project leader. Wow. And basically, it was someone that would go to the house, and they were there the whole duration of the program. And this isn't a pitch for the program, but it, I feel like it was my life was really before and after wow. because the life skills I yeah, got cool. from this, so every place would have a project leader and they would organize full-time work for all 10 kids. And you were like a volunteer full-time worker and in exchange, the government, and I think this, this, the businesses maybe paid mm -hmm. a reduced hourly wage. I don't really know the details of it, but you know, you worked for free. And in exchange, you know, the government paid your grocery bills, they paid your rent and your travel expenses, and you got 20 bucks a week for like toothpaste and whatever else you wanted. Um, you know, and that was, it was a fantastic program. I, I learned so much when I was in Alberta and British Columbia, you know, I worked at a native band office, which is in Canada, we have a lot of native land and that's land. Like we were the original immigrants and we took over the land mass and then we gave the natives, this is your land. And so it's yeah. like a country within a country mm -hmm. and a band office is like their government office. So I actually right. worked at an Indian band office, the Samilkameen uh, Valley band office. And I, we helped build uh, sweat lodges. Wow. You know, we, we did all sorts of stuff. I worked their newsletter, helped communicate with the community in Alberta. I was a seventh grade teacher's assistant at a middle school and a social worker assistant. And I worked with a librarian as well. And then in Quebec, I was actually a mayor's assistant for three <laughs> small town, 150 people, but you had a full-time job in each place. And then after work, when you came home, the, the 10 of you were basically instantly signed up for any community events that were going on. We built, I remember in the small town of, of uh, Karameas, we built something like 20 out of the 25 of their Christmas floats for their Christmas parade. Right. We did soup kitchens, music festivals, like you name it. And it was just like instantly, if there was something out in the community, like the project leader would know about it and just drag us. And we just show up and be like, hey, and it was like 10 <laughs> pairs of hands. And we just <laughs> like, just, you know, we would come and just wow. make things happen. So every three months, you had a full-time job, evenings and weekends, except for Sunday, you basically, anything in the community, you were instantly signed up as a volunteer. And every two, and for two weeks, every three-month period, uh, you would bill it. You would stay with a local family for two weeks to like see how they live. And that was really insightful yeah. because I didn't know any other, how any other family operated, but then I got to see inside the workings. Like I remember this one family I stay with, uh, the, the three, uh, the parents, the the. The father was uh, in, in finance, 
and he was always like his suit and his hair was so proper and he was very like strict and very like this and his kids on the other side they had like mohawks and <laughs> white collars and black nails and eyes and it was so funny because i felt like it was a yin yang i felt like the kids were the exact Reaction. opposite in the extreme of the parents and just watching the dynamics of people and uh also every week uh, a boy and a girl would stay home from their full-time jobs and they would be the mom and dad of the house because we had mm -hmm. a budget like for groceries and that wow. and they would have to cook and clean so that 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 nine month Taught experience when I was 17 yeah. i came out of that with more life experience wow. than a lot of people in my you know what an incredible program and how lucky for yeah. you like because so many kids go off the rails as they say uh, that at me. that point yeah and they can yeah. get lost and and to have the sort of a structure of of development and experience must have been yeah. like a real you know game changer for you yeah i mean we moved around a bit when i was a kid but we ended up settling in this in a city called kingston ontario which also happened to be the penitentiary capital of canada and so the, it, was a, it was a unique community because you've got Queen's University, which is one of the top three universities of Canada. You've got a, the second largest military base. Uh, you've got a, it's almost one of the largest government employment cities. So you've got these high income earners in, in, in the public sector, you know, and then you've also got uh, this great university. We have some some of the largest businesses out of Canada are actually even in Kingston. Like we've got one wow. of the largest real estate investment trusts. Uh, there's a company that makes the the shafts for all the pro golf clubs that's out of Kingston. It's kind of weird. You've got these unique, like massive spikes of success. But then because of the penitentiaries, a lot of families move to Kingston to be closer to their family. So then you have these areas where there's like, you know, when you get out of jail, you just, yep. you just settle in the town that you're in. And yeah. so it's weird. And I actually didn't think I was going to see my 21st birthday. I was wow. you know, in high school and I, I didn't, I didn't, I had a friend that, uh, you know, it was found in a lake in a carpet, rolled in a carpet and um, oh, God. things like that. And I didn't, I didn't think I was really going to, going to make it. So really uh, a dangerous area to, to, to be growing up as a depends. youth. You know, I always say when you live in a city, you don't live in that city. You live in your bubble in that mm. city. So my bubble was mixed. It was a mixed bag. I was in the middle, you know, I grew up in a nice suburb, but through school and all that, you know, I got involved with lots of different things. But then this group one day, they spoke at my high school and they were talking about, yo, we're getting to travel Canada for free, you know, like, and I was like, yeah, that sounds great. I need to get out of here because I don't, I don't see a future. I don't see a future. And I signed up and that was what I did. And then after that, because of being involved, and so I almost got kicked out, you know, after the first two months, I was on my last warning. You get three <laughs> warnings and you get sent home. And every time you make them, you have to make write a commitment to improve. And I was like... I just, that, I think that project leader didn't like me, but I was like on it by a hair. And it was so funny because I remember when I made the first three months, we moved to the second location. I was like, wow, you know, even if I get kicked out now, now I've learned everything that I could learn from this program. And I spent three months in Alberta and I met all sorts of new people and new experiences. And I was like, wow, wow. I made it to six months now that I'm going to Quebec. Now I've learned everything I could learn from this program. <laughs> and then the next three months, and then I finished it like, wow, I made it to the end. Now I've learned now I'm an program, right? But now here it is years and years later. And I've met because they were like family, the other 10 kids, right? They're like, sir. And I, and I still catch up with them every now and then. And I like, I learned through, wow, you've got kids, you got three kids. And, like, and it's yeah. now I know everything. No, I, <laughs> I don't have it.
<laughs> in other words, we, we all think we're know-alls all the time and then we're actually just at the beginning of our next journey and it's yeah. all stepping stones to the next part of learning and stuff. Yeah. But what a fantastic – I wish we had a program like that here because, I mean, yeah. it must cost a lot to run and be really difficult to organise. But, man, that could change lives, eh, for, for kids who are just lost and don't quite know where what's the next step and how many it's, of them are there. It's a fantastic program. It's actually – I don't think it's running in Canada anymore. Again, because of the cost, it, it gets government funding – it's taken away. The Trudeau uh, lineage is the one that started. They tend to be behind it. There was a big scandal in Canada about the We Something charity. And it sounds like that they were going to give a billion dollars to an organization that does something like that. But of course, it got into, and like, you know, where's this money going? Yeah. And people arguing, and is that a good use? And I, I think nothing happened of it. But well, it's a shame because you it changed your life. Well, it, I think right now there's a ton of people, especially the younger kids who need a sense of responsibility. I think in some ways, I don't want to go on a big rant, but I, I think, you know, life is full of challenges and hurdles. And it's like through overcoming those, we, de- we develop our character. And some people, they just have such a cushy, you know, like, yeah. we've, we, to, what were you trying to say? Like things have become so politically correct. We've, we've softened all the hard edges. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing in Toronto, they replaced a bunch of the kids playgrounds because, you know, kids were falling and getting yeah. hurt. And yeah. I, like, I, like, yeah, but that's like, you climb a tree, you fall. Like you don't, there's no you know, consequence to anything anymore. And there's no, re- like, yeah. Awards versus achievement awards. Like yeah. we, we really, in some ways become a, a society of participation awards versus achievement awards and that's I totally get I totally agree because I mean I, I, I'm showing my age but I grew up in the early 70s and stuff and it was a rough ride you know I'm lucky to be alive from <laughs> not everyone not everyone made it to adulthood yeah and yeah. but you know what I wouldn't change that for the world because I don't want to be wrapped up in cotton wool and bounce around like a bunch of marshmallows you know for the one of a better expression yeah. You know, I want to be able to climb trees and, you know, um, cycle. I mean, I, you know, I had to laugh yesterday. We live in a little village that's sort of no police around here and you've got all sorts, of, you know, and it's a lovely village. It's a sort of a beachy, resorty place. But you get the kids, they've got no helmets on and the other ones are on scooters and there's three of them hanging off it and other people oh. with their utes and the kids are on the back, which is all illegal, right? right. And I'm not saying it's good, but I, I do have to smile because it reminds me of my childhood because that's what I a little bit of recklessness, a little bit of foolishness. It's, we don't want you know, it's the world has real limits and it's yeah. tough, especially as a parent. Like I have a daughter now and it's like, mm. I, 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 I call it careful neglect. Yeah. <laughs> I try to carefully neglect her in some ways to force her to develop and grow. Ah, beautiful. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like neglect under supervision. That's probably the best way to do it. Cause if I always do it for her and then I'm not there, like they say, kids who grew up with a single parent tend to be more independent yep. than kids that have two parents. Although kids with two parents tend to do better overall. I want the oh, blend of that, you yeah. know, and because the kids with single parents, they are more independent because that's expected of them. There's not all, you know, you can't. There's no backup. There's not all the swaddling, you know. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. And like, not even just for kids, but like, you know, dealing with my mum with her disability, I had to, and people would criticize me heavily, but I used, you know, like I make her do the hard stuff. Like if she's struggling to get out of a chair at night and she's tired, I don't get up to help her. And not because I'm an asshole, but because I need her to learn which muscle it is to push. And in people would, you know, like when we're out in public, they'd be standing there watching me watch her struggling and and i'd get abused sometimes like why aren't you helping and like yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know <laughs> that's all i'm doing yeah i yeah and 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 i had to but i had to i have and i have to do it all the time with her because i'm teaching her new difficult tasks all the time i'm having to put her through some painful regimes and training and and um because i've been an athlete all my life i understand that 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 pain often when in training and in difficult training sessions and stuff make you stronger and make you more able to withstand i mean that's what you know exercise is all about you hurt yourself you get stronger you hurt yourself you get stronger Um, and with mum's training it's very often like that so okay she's not a kid but it's the same principle I have to let her go or when she now when she got her driver's license and I would you know let her drive my car and go around town I mean I'm still panicking half the time you know and I and for the start I would shadow her you know, like uh, from 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 behind, that she didn't know that I was following her all right, right through the town, wherever okay, she right. went, <clears throat> so that she had that backup, but she didn't know she had that backup. Yeah, I said, that, actually, I've been saying that, with Kathy. You know uh, about my daughter. I'm like, I won't, I won't stop her from falling, but I'll do my best to always catch her. Yes, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to try to stop because sometimes you're like, oh, don't, do it, and you try to pad the room, and I'm like. You know, I gave her a pair of scissors. This is when she was really young. Gave her scissors. Don't. She'll cut herself. And I'm like, yeah. And it'll be a valuable lesson. You know, you're right. She's hard. But I'm, I'm right here, and you know, it'll be a she'll, you know, she'll learn a valuable lesson. I don't know if if she doesn't. I feel like that's partially where we have things like all these school shootings and that. These kids aren't growing up on farms. They've never been kicked by a horse or a goat, or you know, they've never hit themselves in the foot with an axe. So they, and then they play in these video games of extreme violence and see extreme violence in the movies. And they feel these emotions like really common as a teenager yeah. and they have access to such powerful tools. Exactly. I mean, in the state, I'm Canadian, but in the States, they sell guns at Walmart, ah, yeah. you know? And so you've got a kid that's angry. He's got no real sense of the, the reality of the world around him in terms of like, what happens if you fall out of a tree and break your ankle? Like mm-hmm. that's so distant because they grew up in a city and it's just, it's more just surviving and social dynamics versus a social and environmental dynamic, you know, and, totally and then they kind of go to school and they lash out with guns. I really feel that if those kids grew up with more hard labor in their lives, yep. you know, more physical, even if they just had more physical training conditioning, you, you, you play hockey, you get hit too hard, like something like that, you know, it would, it would change. You would have less school shootings because, yep. Yep. you know, they'd still feel the same emotions, but one, they'd have different outlets and they would, also kind of respect it better. It's like my jujitsu. You mentioned I do jujitsu. Yes. I feel like it's very, you know, when new guys are new, you get a lot of these strong guys and they try to tough arm everybody and, you know, and, and they just, it's useless and they get beaten up by the more skilled ones. So then when they develop skill, they're kind of like a, like a, I know what it's like to, <laughs> there's like a, like, Hey, like, I know what it's like to be the one getting beaten up. Yeah. Which is you a know, great lesson. Like the power, the skill is earned, so you treat it with better respect. 
Humility is always a good thing. And I think learning, you know, like I've, I've taken up skimboarding, you know, with, with you. And like, I don't bounce very well at 52. So, but it's really important that I do something that I'm really useless at and I'm having yeah. to learn a new skill. And I sometimes scare myself because if I don't at this age, that's when you start losing those yeah. those skills and I don't want to lose any of my abilities and I've still got yeah. good reactions and stuff like that so I want to keep them so I yeah. constantly want to push myself outside that boundary so let's yeah. dive in a little bit to your martial arts and then we'll get on to your business side of things because what you've done there is just incredible what sort of lessons have you learned I mean that was one but what sort of lessons have you learned from doing jiu-jitsu and the discipline that's required for this very tough sport yeah that's great so yeah I did jiu-jitsu for about six seven maybe eight years I haven't trained probably in a couple of years now, I've been doing more kind of CrossFit and my own physical training. But I think, Mm -hmm. you know, the lessons are through any, you know, you learn about uh, progression over time, you learn things like the fundamentals are fundamental, you know, you, you kind of learn the basics, but then you get bored with those and you want to learn the fancy advanced stuff, but then it's hard to apply it and get it to work. And then through just, you know, time and, and observation and training with the greatest, you understand it really is about the fundamentals virtue is doing the common uncommonly well like you know like the, the the fundamentals that we learned are the stuff that's actually working against the highest level black belts like the basics that you learn you see that happen at the highest level of world championships you know and the biggest competitions and and the really great to the ones that can do the basics and just walk through everyone with them like how are they able to do that so well everybody knows what's happening everyone knows what to expect but they can't stop it from happening anyhow yeah. Another lesson was it's a game of inches, you know, in the beginning, because I, you know, jujitsu is kind of like a submission wrestling, submission grappling. It's, it's, I'm, you know, we're, yeah, it's not so much punch and kick. It's more about, you know, uh, leverage, control, and, and, and just, and using things like gravity, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's just, there's a lot of, so there's things about like drilling, how practice makes perfect. You learn the rule like 10,000 hours that it's, you know, if I've been training 200 hours and you've been training 10 hours, generally speaking, I have a major advantage. You know, if I've been training 2000 hours and you've been training a hundred hours, typically speaking, I'm going to just mop the floor with you because I've, there's nuanced detail, you know, and, and you can almost endlessly drill into the fundamentals. Uh, and then there's just the progress. You've talked about learning new skills. Last year, I learned how to handstand walk. I can now handstand wow. walk about 20 feet. I'm going to be 38 in a couple of months. Wow, and I, I can't that. do that. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm I did jealous. Specifically for the skill development, for the neurological developments to, to like to balance in a totally different way and yep. just the physical developments. So, I mean, jujitsu, you learn about people. You learn about how your emotions impact your decision-making in certain respects. You learn about how um, it's not just training, but it's also how to recover and rest. And we talked about this, I think, before I, I interviewed you for my podcast. Like, you know, silence is part of music just as much as music is. The difference is it's, it's, it's intentional. Yep. The silence is intentional. So it's about, you know, doing things with intent, taking a concept like I want to learn and get good at this and breaking into pieces. And I'll, I was talking about this with my friend yesterday, actually. I forget how it came up, but he was talking about something and work and the situation and how to avoid it. I remember I was training and I, I was fortunate enough to do some training with Hicks and Gracie in my early parts of my, my training career, legendary fighter guy. And I remember I kept getting caught in these triangle chokes. Triangle choke is a type of choke. And I kept getting caught in these triangle chokes. I remember asking like, how do I get out of it? He says, well, don't let them put you into it. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I already got into it. Now what do I do? He's like, don't let them put you into it. And I just wanted, I wanted the cure. I was like, yeah, but I want, I want, and there are, there's some things you can do. 
but the the real answer is that prevention. It's <laughs> so much better than cure. Like what happens if you're like, like you gotta panic. You, you got two or three options. You gotta panic. You're gonna spend a lot of energy. You're gonna flail and struggle. It's gonna be close. You know, we can talk about how to do it, but really the best solution is don't let them do it to you in the first place. Note it, recognize the signs and protect yourself before it happened. And that's it's a great, that is a great law for the whole of the health paradigm that I live under. Yeah. Don't yeah. let it happen. Yeah. How, how do I deal with heart problems? Well, just yeah. don't. Don't develop don't you know, prevention, like prevention, 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 prevention. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, proactivity. Um, yeah, and also, and then, you know, occasionally, you, like you will still get caught out, and you will still, and then you want to know those tricks. But in the first line, let's learn prevention, and then we'll look at how do we get out of this mess. And another, and another, really, which kind of ties in, and then we can, if you want to move on, move on. But this one, I think, is also really, really, really important, um, and. When I first learned martial arts, I always thought it was about doing things to other people. I'm going to do this to you or I'm going to use your leverage against you. I'm going to do this to the world. What I've really realized is two things. One, it's not even necessarily about doing things. It's about two two things. It's about not doing things externally. It's about Uh self-control. It's about boundaries. So we just talked about don't let him put you into it. That means that I have to have boundaries around things. I, will I let him grab me here? Will I not allow that? Will I let him grab me there? And I'll be like, okay, whatever. And I'm going to try to do something. So again, when people start, and I, I, forgive me, I don't want to go on a huge long round of this, but when you start, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that to you. And I'm trying to do this. And so I don't Beginning. necessarily care what you're doing to me. All right. But when you get later, it's like, what do I accept? What are my boundaries? Wow. What situations do I let myself enter into? And that was, and then the other thing is that a lot of times it's not about, it's not about what you do. It's not even about winning. It's about who makes the fewest mistakes. Wow. It's really, it's not, you know, it's not even about being the best, the smartest, the brightest. It's about making the least mistakes. Wow. That's In this situation, how many, you know, how many doors do I open for my opponent? You know, like that's, yeah. I, don't, no, I, I, I totally are great. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, 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 imposing on the world and more about controlling myself. Yeah. And am I allowing myself to be manipulated this way? Am I allowing myself to be grabbed here? Am I allowing his energy to mess with my mindset? Wow. You know, I that is gold. At, like at tournaments, I've seen them lose the match before it even begins. You get two guys step up and the refs get in there and they like, you know, they're eyeballing each other. Yeah. You see one guy like he just kind of cowers. Mm-hmm. It's like he lost before he even got started. So, and I've seen that in ultra marathons. Uh, you know, another sporting analogy, but I've seen when people start bargaining with themselves, and you do during an ultra, you start saying, "Well, if I just get to there, I'll be happy with my results." Or if I start, if I can, you know, you start to negotiate with your with yourself as how far you can get. And when um, when I see people going, well. I've at least done more than I've ever done before and therefore it's a success. And when I start to hear talk like that, I know we're in the battle. Like we are in the battle and if they don't change their mindset, they're not going to because they're no longer in that, 
I'm going to do this, no, you know, come hell or high water, they're in the, well, it's okay to fail, and it is okay to fail, but in the in the battle, you don't want to be in that mindset. You want to be in that mindset, like, I'm going for this, and I'm giving it everything I have. When you start to negotiate with yourself, well, it would be okay if I got to that point, and therefore, this is the longest I've ever run, and therefore, that's still a success. You know, when you start doing that type of bargaining with yourself, you're in deep shit, basically, because you, you've got to turn your psychology around to because otherwise you're going to give yourself a way out i remember when i was running in the um, this 222k race in the himalayas at extreme altitude and I, I i had a point where i just completely broke after going up the second pass and it was about i've been out there for 40 plus hours in a massive snowstorm had hypothermia i had um altitude sickness asthma i was just you know completely good enough reasons to be pulling out and one of my guys came back to me and I said I think it's only two kilometers to the top of the the mountain because you're calculating in your head and he came back and said no it's six kilometers to go and that just completely broke my mentality because six kilometers I was going at 3k an hour it was two hours of hell and I couldn't and it broke me and I just fell into a heap and started bawling my eyes out and everybody was giving me permission to give up They were like huddling around, you're amazing, we're so proud of you, and, you know, you did everything you could. And then there was one guy, and he came over, and he shook me, and he wasn't smiling, and he wasn't patting me on the back, and he was like, get the F up now. You're so close. You're so close, you're not failing, and I'm not letting you fail and get your ass up off the ground, and and I'm going to stay out here with you, and I'm going to walk you up the top of that mountain. And that that. was key because it got me over that psychological break I broke but he picked me up and he got me back on my feet and I followed his instructions. You know, I just did what he told me to do, put one foot in front of the other and he got me over that hump, you know, literally. And and that's the type of stuff that you learn through sport, eh? It's just so valuable. It's just just overcoming obstacles and Mm. just testing yourself. You don't know what you're capable of until you do it. You can spend all day reading a book about tennis, but until you're out there actually playing it, you know, and there's, there's, you know, there's learning. You have to learn. You can learn through reading, through lecture, through conversation, personal experiences, and through other people's experiences, you know, and and that's, um, and that's what this is about. Yeah. I mean, you know, Alan Watts has this great video called the dream of life. And he, imagine if you could, you know, imagine if every night you went to sleep, you could dream however many years of life that you wished. And because it's your dream, you could, you can make them as wonderful as you wanted. And so for the first, you know, let's say you're dreaming a hundred years of life every night, and maybe you do this for a couple of years, every night for a few years, you're dreaming a hundred years of life. And all these, all these lives that you're living, they're all the most filled with all the pleasures and all the wonderful things that you could possibly want. And, you know, like, what do you think would happen? And, And over time you would kind of get bored and you would want some risk and some adversity. And then eventually you point where you would want to be able to dream and go to sleep and not know the outcome i want to go to sleep i want to have this adventure but i don't want to know the outcome you know and that's kind of like that's almost like life and if 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 you could dream a lifetime every night and you're in a life of 80 years you know you could possibly dream the life you're living right now and that's the that's the whole thing of evolution you know evolution's about growth and challenge and overcoming obstacles and yeah um, Obstacles like phone calls coming in the middle of your podcast. And <laughs> but, I think people listening to my podcast are quite used to interruptions. You just cannot stop the world from functioning half the time. You're like somebody's Challenges. phone is somewhere. 
Murphy's Law. You just got to keep moving forward. <laughs> you wait for perfection, it's never going to happen. Exactly. You could panic now and start editing for Africa and another war. You could just get it out there and apologize that it happened, <laughs> which we'll do. Um, so, Daryl, I want to move now because I think that was, that was absolutely brilliant and really insightful. Um, I want to move into the business side of things. Uh, you, you've had a really successful business. Like you, You've taken lots of businesses to the million dollar and a plus businesses from scratch you've done that over and over again you've helped people scale up and develop their systems and uh, mine their data and work out all this complicated world of online which is you know I'd struggle with daily so I want to know from you how the heck do you do this and and what are some of your greatest secrets from from building businesses you know over a long period of time now Hmm. So that's a great question. It's, you know, there's a lot of different places to start. I think one of the hardest places uh, and where I've had the most failure myself is getting something new going because, yeah. uh, well, one, it's just not my, my, my superpower. But if you've got someone that's got a proven concept, and that's really how, you know, in the beginning, I, I should look it up, but I got my seven step rollout system. It's like you always start with a market first. So that means you always have to start with a need and a want. So because, you can't, you know, the idea of selling ice to Eskimos. It's not about doing mental gymnastics and pushing something on someone that they don't want. That might happen in the world. There might be people that invest a lot of time, energy, and resources in that, but I just no interest. It's you it's really tough to be like, I'm gonna generate this demand. It's not there the demand already exists. People already wanna feel beautiful. People already wanna be entertained. People already wanna travel and to explore the world. So these needs and wants and that already exist. The idea is that you want to stand in front of it. Mm-hmm. You the, the demand, the want is already there and the and, and it's constantly evolving. And every time someone a business comes out and you create a new product or service to fix a problem, you know, there'll be a new problem. Yep. You know, because now, like, you know, before the internet, the issue was, you know, how are we going to have these conversations? Like we can, you're in New Zealand, I'm in Vietnam. How will we do this? Well, now Zoom has created, you know, like these companies create a tool and they create a tool and now here's Zoom, but then what's the next issue? And then what's the next problem? So problems are markets, not demographics, not psychographics. The problem is a market. This is the problem that we solve for people. Once you've got that, a lot of it, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can go, but the purpose of business is to locate a prospect, turn that prospect into a customer, and then to make a customer your friend. Yep. It's really a big part of it. It's tough to have a business survive. There are businesses that survive off one-time sales, but the vast majority of businesses need recurring business, recurring, right, ongoing relationships. And a lot of businesses aren't thinking about how to do that. And so, you know, your business is a service to the world. And so the first thing you have to do is figure out, you know, on a small scale, what what problem do I solve? And when you solve a problem, you kind of need to create, I call it a black box. You know, this black box maybe is a mystery to the outside world. We can use a dentist office. You know, people come in crying and in pain on one side. They go through the black box, which is a series of, of, of checklists. Checklist for this, checklist for that, checklist for the next thing. Okay, checked out. We did this, 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 this. Boom, they leave smiling and happy on the other side. So that's the black box. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the problem solving box. Wow. So your the problem solving box. All a company is is one group of people solving a problem for another group of people via a product or service. Wow. So when you know what that problem is and you've got it, now you need to design it. Here's you know, some people solve problems really well, but they don't do it in a way that's scalable. 
So the rule of 10,000, now I know how to solve a problem. Now I know kind of the type of people having that problem. How will I solve 10,000 of these problems for people? It's like if I had to bake a pie, if I'm trying to bake one pie versus bake 10,000 pies, there's a different mindset that, you know, you got like, I need a bigger kitchen. I'm going to do that. You've got like planning and batches and food storage. It changes the nature of things. And then you've got to kind of go out and find those people. And that's like a marketing function. So um, there's actually, you know, I can share this. So last year I actually spent like $40,000 hiring all these research teams to help get down to what are the critical success factors for small and medium-sized businesses. And uh, we came up with eight. There's actually nine, but the ninth one is government and economic factors. And it's not realistic that a person's going to influence those. Not one person. Yep. No, it's not realistic. So the ones that we can influence is things like self-efficacy, which means your ability to be effective with your time, your energy, just yourself and through others. So it's like leadership is part of that, right? Your time Mm -hmm. management is part Mm -hmm. of that. Like mindset might be part of that, but self-efficacy, strategic planning, marketing strategy, market intelligence. So these are different. Market intelligence is understanding the needs, wants, desires, problems of the people of the marketplace and the competitors, the available options. So it's market intelligence is like what's going on out there. And then marketing strategy is how am I going to get my message across. Then you have sales skills and strategies, sales strategy. And then you have money management and you have business operating systems, which is, it could be technology. It yes, could just be simple checklists. <laughs> it could be meeting rhythms. It could be a hiring process. That's the operating systems. Mm-hmm. And then you've got business intelligence and business intelligence is like the awareness of, of, of different things. So for example, uh, like you are working with my partner, Kathy, um, you know, she's helping yep. you with your podcast she's and you're getting greater awareness on how many downloads are we getting and yep. how many people are sharing the downloads and how many people are listening and then coming to my web. That's all business intelligence stuff. It's the yep. idea of not just doing activities, yep. but to actually measure. Stuff I'm hopeless at. Right. But it's just well, to I be aware. Kathy. It's like wearing a heart rate manager. <laughs> monitor right like how's my that's an that's an intelligence system how's my heart rate doing how's my heart rate variability yep what's my sleep yeah am i waking up 20 nights that's a that's like business intelligence so those eight factors really are the critical make or break uh like focus points for a business wow and anything that you would do for a business should back into one of those so a team building activity well that's kind of self-efficacy maybe operating systems it depends you know, uh, you're going to do a podcast. Well, that's a marketing strategy, right? And then the strategic planning is the plan strategically of how you're going to pull the strings together. And like, you know, how are you planning to develop? How are you planning to meet people? Is there a thought process in it? Um, all this stuff. All Sales. This, yeah. And, 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 and the, the hard thing is for the young entrepreneur out there, so I know we have a, you know, a lot of people who are in business, starting businesses or in developed businesses and wanting to scale further, um, it, it, you're wearing so many hats at the beginning. Like you, you're in charge of all of those, those, that eight <laughs> departments, if you like, and that is the very hard thing at the beginning. Uh, once you get a team around you, like, you know, we're at a stage now where we have uh, small teams that are helping us with different aspects and uh, of, of what we do, and we're trying to outsource the stuff we're not good at 
right. and is not our specialty because we don't want to waste. But at the beginning, you have to do it all. And so you're just constantly wearing these multitasking hats and not being very efficient. Right. What, what, how do people get to that next rung on the ladder? And this yeah. is something that, you know, we're, we've been, you know, backwards and forwardsing on for a long time. How do you get to the next stage and how do you make an effective team and how do you uh, outsource certain things but not the other things? And it's, 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 it's getting to that le- next level, isn't it? And at yeah. the beginning, you're just full bore everything. You're doing a lot of activity and you're not really sure what's working. You know, I, I, a simple way to do think about this is, you know, Forget Uber and Grab and these other. Yeah, it's huge. But originally, if you were a cab driver, you you would have a car and your idea first to figure out where are the people who need to be driven places and yep. will pay money to it. Maybe it's taking kids to school. Maybe it's picking people up at the train station or the bus station or the airport. Maybe it's doctor office appointments, right? Like every week for whatever. But first, if you were the taxi driver, first you'd have to figure out how do I keep my schedule full every day? How do I keep myself busy every day? And so first it's where are the customers and where do they want to go? Right? Yep. Where are the customers where they want to go? Can I take them there? You know, uh, you get paid in size of the relationship of the problem you solve. What that means is if I want to get across town, but I have all day to do it, I could walk. Mm. Right. But if I'm in a hurry, if my child is sick and I, and they're bleeding and I got to get them to the hospital in halftime, that's a bigger problem. I'll pay whatever. Right. Yeah. I can rent a car. I could bike, right? If I don't want to rent a car, I could pay more to have someone, you know what I'm saying? I could, I, yeah. could, I could pay someone to drive me. So there's a scale of problems. So first, like, where are the customers? What do they need? Where do they want to go? And then how do you get yourself busy? And now that you're busy, what's going to happen is now what you have to do is you have to train someone on, how to, on quality control. How do I deliver this consistently? What is my doing? Because when you do something for someone, why? what's making people really happy? What's making them not happy? right? How do I make sure I have a consistent, good experience for people? Good. Now, how do I help more people? And then you, then if you're the cab driver, you might have to take a pay cut because at some point you might have to bring someone in and have them drive the car for half the day. So that you can focus on the business. Yeah. Yeah. You can focus on, on the getting another car and getting that. And so there's this weird period where it's like, Hey, I'm busy full time, but I can't be any busier. So yeah. I can only charge more money or I'm going to hire someone, give them some of the work. Yep. Right? But and they're so going to take a big portion right. of the money. Yeah. Right. And they're going to take a pint of the money. And now I'm going to get the second cart going. And that's actually how Kathy got started. So Kathy's working with you. And one of the beginning, she had some clients online. And I was like, well, what do you like doing the most? What's the one thing that you think you could do a lot of? And she really enjoys the writing component. And so we got her really busy. And then she hired someone. And then, right. And then she was busy and they were busy. She hired another person. And then she hired another person. And now she had like a team of six. She's got something like 26 people now. But in the beginning, she had like four, five, six. Hey, now you need a manager. Okay, well, now I need a manager. Okay, and next that's the manager for the team. And the next problem and building that out. And that's a really natural way to grow. And, and part of what helps you do that is documentation and training, you know, an edge, explain, demonstrate, guide, empower. First, explain wow. how you do it. Let me demonstrate it for you so you can see it done. And then let me guide you in doing it with you. And then I'm going to empower you to do it on your own, make some mistakes and learn from them and just repeat that process. So that's an edge thing. And that's creating documentations and systems. But then you've got to actually keep, now you're getting into a different level. How do you communicate a vision? How do you keep a team productive? How do you monitor progress? How do you, because we talked about self-efficacy, right? If you hire someone, they could be brilliant, but if they don't get the work done, 
And now you're getting into people skills and how do I communicate? How do I help them tap into their own internal motivation? So they're not just showing up, collecting the paycheck and just clocking out, going home, you know, and just on their phone all days. And so these are different tiers of problems that Mm. people follow into. So uh, I don't know if I rambled. No, no, that's so so perfect. And it it just, it just highlights, yeah, there's always the next level, next devil. (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. There's no summit. Crazy amount of entrepreneurship. It's, no, but you know, like getting out of the start gates is the hardest part, and and you, you're dealing also with self doubt and imposter syndrome often, and can I do this? And people telling you you can't, and family members or, or friends going, "What the hell are you doing?" And you've chucked in your regular job for this, and you know, and yeah, yeah. you're like, yeah, and you know that eighty percent or more of businesses fail. I can't remember what the statistics were, but they're yeah. pretty horrific. Yeah. Uh, and you're wearing all these hats, and what you then see is a lot of people starting to burn out and that's where like you know part of what we do is all about you know managing your stress and not burning out and right. health the basics of health because you need yep. to do all that in order to be successful because there's no no use having millions of dollars in the bank but you you half dead because that yep. isn't going to help anybody um, i've seen that i've seen people sacrifice i've seen no. people make money and keep their health at the same time but i've also seen a lot of people sacrifice their health to make yep. money and then end up spending all that money trying to get their health back. To get their health back, yeah. And I must admit, you know, like I've not not for the just for the business, but say like uh, in a you know rehabilitating mum cost me my health. You know, I I ended up nose diving because you're working eighteen hour days sometimes, and you're just going hell for leather trying to make the the mortgage payments at the same time by the hyperbaric chambers or the whatever she needs, and trying yeah. to, to rehabilitate yeah. and you know running all of these juggling balls that we all have in various yeah. combinations, and you can work yourself into the absolute into the grave if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's why health and resilience and stress reduction and stuff is you know, what we do. Yeah. Uh, it's always best to have people, uh, one of the biggest, and I've done this before, I've done this I've done this a couple of times, unfortunately, better to collect money first and then develop a product. What I mean is like in my hometown, uh, they're opening up a gym and they, they were building, uh, they bought this building, they were kind of doing renos on the inside and they set up a trailer outside and they were actively marketing and were signing up people for the gym that was not yet finished being built Brilliant. and not yet open. And what happened was at some point they just closed down the whole operation and left. And what it was is they had set a pre-launch goal for themselves. We need to generate this many new members in order to break even or we stop. And that's a really good thing. And you don't, you know, it's like if you just get pre-orders, Elon Musk did this with, I think the model three, he made a hundred million dollars having people prepay a thousand dollars on a car. Wow. He didn't build the, he hadn't built the factory to make it. Wow. But then it's Elon Musk. Well, no, but yeah, you know, okay, but I mean, you reputation can in any way, shape, or form because he he built a prototype. Yeah. So he had he had something he could show people, and they could see, and they could arti- he could articulate what his vision was. Yep. And then he said, "Hey, if you want to get one and be one of the first, you have to make a non-refundable thousand dollar deposit." And he he created a hundred million dollars, which was proof of concept. Wow. A hundred million dollars to build the factory, and then charge them. The rest of the money for the car. Wow, and that was brilliant! Of demand, and this is where people where people go wrong is that I like like let's say for example I like baking pies. My hobby is baking pies. I like baking pies. People praise me all the time for my pies. Man, it would be so great if the whole city just praised me for being such a great pie maker. <laughs> I'm going to build this business 
for me and how great my pies are. And I'm going to plan this logo and I'm going to plan the layout and I'm going to plan the menu and all this stuff. And then I make all these pies. And then what I do is I tell all my friends about my pie shop and they go, wow, Daryl, your brand colors are so nice. And wow, what a nice logo and what a nice menu. And my friends come and they make an obligatory purchase. Yep. They're my friend, but that doesn't last. And then I go through the seesaw where they buy the purchase, they make the purchase. So now I stop telling people about my pie shop because I'm busy making the pies. Yeah. But while I'm making the pies, there's no one getting new people to come. Wow. I deliver those pies, but they're just my friends. They're buying out of a social, like social contract. You're my friend, not because it's something they need. And this business is to fulfill my ego as a business owner. It's not to provide a service to the community. Wow. Because to provide a service to the community, I might like making pies, but I need to figure out who needs pies. And I might find out that there's some office buildings where these people are so busy, they don't have time to cook. They're always on the go. And so I would make pies to go and I would make it custom for their dietary nutrition, perhaps. Yep. And now it's a symbiotic relationship. It's not a yep. self-serving, ego-driven business. Yeah. Fulfilling a need. Yeah. You know, that's. That's that's something that's why the market intelligence part is so big of those eight because it's how you might have everything else in line, you know, but if you're trying to sell gourmet food to people as they leave an all you can eat buffet. <laughs> they're not going to buy and and you know like i i uh i've done this before where i've made a course because i think it's what people want right. and then worked out later on that no that's not quite what they wanted they wanted something slightly different so we all always do now like questionnaires and polls and what is it that you need and how you know how do you want this yeah Yep. And then start, yeah, because you can think you know what your customer wants and needs, but they'll tell you better what they actually want and need. And so always listening to your customers and always seeing what direction are they going in and what do they need next is another good thing. So, okay, they've they've, they've done this part of the thing, but can you actually add on something else, another service that will be a benefit to them that you can provide to them and, and, you know, they create what you call your value ladder so that you have more things ready to go and all this is really really complicated but you've done this with lots and lots of people uh and lots of businesses and scaled them up um so if anybody wants to like wrap you know coming to wrapping up this this session now daryl if um if somebody wanted to work with you as a business coach where do they find you and what sort of work do you do nowadays what is your sort of core focus yeah, good question. So they go to bestbusinesscoach.ca. Uh, that'll redirect them to my main site. They can go check me out there. They can look up Daryl Urbanski on all the social media platforms. Yep, you're pretty famous. Uh, I'm, yeah, well, we're, we're all famous now. We all have we all have social platforms. So, um, But I am king of my own universe. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's it. And right now, really what I'm focused on is group coaching. So when I had my martial arts school, I used to love being a part of an environment where people came to get better every day. No one goes to the gym and they're like, I want to break a leg today. Literally, I, I want to get sick today. They don't. They come and like, I want to get better. I want to fix this part of my my, my jiu-jitsu game. Or I want to I want to do squats because I want my butt to be whatever it is. Yeah, but they yeah, come yeah. with the idea of improving and improvement. So I'm really focused on my group coaching mastermind where I'm putting groups of people like that together. Um, so it's a group coaching. And then I, for people that want more dedicated attention, I have a virtual VP of marketing uh, service where it's like I can work with them or their team and be a part, present in the meetings. It's a consultation or, or I'm a consultant. I'm not necessarily executing or implementing. So there's a group coaching program. There's a virtual VP of marketing, but then I also have a pay for performance model, which is with select people where it's a good fit, win, win, win. 
there might be an upfront payment just for some setup fees of $1,000 or two or whatever, depending on the, the scope of the project. But really, they're only going to pay if they profit because I think that, you know, in the B2B space, you know, if you want to be a doctor, an engineer, an architect, you have to pass exams that demonstrate knowledge yep. and capacity. <clears throat> but in the B2B space, anybody can say they're a life coach. Anyone can say they're a business coach. Anyone can say they're a marketing agency. There's no real way to separate them. And you can get a certification, but there's not really yep. any That's real scientific validation of these certification programs. I just, you know, these companies just create them and you pay them a thousand bucks and go do a weekend boot camp. And now you're a business coach and someone should bet their future, their life, their ability to pay medical bills or put their kids in school on your weekend ordainment of, so I like, I, I got away from providing marketing services and being paid a retainer. And I don't think there's anything wrong with people that do that if they provide, Good but sense. that's the, where I look for more for partnerships. I'm getting away from clients and more towards partnerships. We're like, long Hey, I know some things I've done some stuff I'm looking for people I can partner with and it's a win-win. Um, and, and yeah, so they can just check and out. Helping, the yeah. And if you're not, if you're not successful, uh, they're not successful. You're not successful. So right. it's a, it's a, if you don't, if you don't make it, you don't make it. And that's yeah. end of the, the partnership and move yeah. on to the next thing. Yeah. And I think that's a great model. You know, I think that, you know, where it works, it's, it's really good. Well, I think to, we've bloody covered a whole lot of areas, Daryl, everywhere from um, youth and youth development through to uh, martial arts, through to <laughs> jiu-jitsu and, and, and building businesses and overcoming obstacles. So it's been a real fascinating ride with you. I'm really stoked to have met you and Kathy. I think you're brilliant people. You're good people. Um, and I uh, just want to give a plug to you, to your podcast as well. Can you tell everyone where to find you? So you've, you've mentioned your website, which we'll put it obviously uh, in the in the show notes and stuff. But where can they? Um, yeah, you find you on the podcast. Yeah, just just Google the best business podcast with Daryl Urbanski. That's not to be egocentric. It's just when I did the keyword research when I launched my podcast, the most searched for term was best business podcast. So I was like. <laughs> That's going to be my, my name. Title. See, my name. I didn't do that. I wouldn't have known to look for an SEO keyword search back in the day. I just went, oh, keywords. I'm all about pushing the limits. Therefore, I'm People pushing the Keywords are fantastic. Sorry to interrupt. Keywords are fantastic because in the privacy of my own home where I'm alone, I go into Google and I type in what I'm, my actual thoughts. So keywords can actually be a sign of, of like mind share how many people are thinking this on what sort of re ongoing basis so if you check your keyword search volume and not all businesses have to use keywords but it's great from a research and market intelligence point you know i actually call it the google a to z a lot can be learned just going to google and if you're a chiropractor put in chiropractor space a and look at what shows up and then chiropractor space b chiropractor space c and just take wow. note because these are suggested things is Google's going, this is what people are looking for. And if you yeah. just take an inventory of A to Z around your keyword of what you do, wow. you can learn a lot about where people are, what they're looking for, the results that they want. You go to Google Trends, you put your keyword in there, you can see the trends over years of the search volume. And you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to relate to sales, but if there's 100,000 people that are interested in the topic, you might have greater success than if there's only 1,000. You know, it just depends on your ability to reach and... 
get on top of Google and all of that. Keywords are great. There's the internet is such a powerful tool. It's you can go on Amazon and look at other products and read the reviews, and you can go on Reddit, put your keyword in Reddit, and you can see what people are saying in the forums. You can learn their language, their pain points, their wants and needs. There's a ton of. It's just the world. The world's become so transparent, so well connected. You know, I've just learned. I've I've just learned half a dozen things there that I didn't know. So yeah, (laughs) great. It's so great. it can just really make a difference. You know, where are the customers? You know, what do they want? What problem do I solve for them? And then how do you build a relationship? You know, it, you, how do you how do you get them to raise their hand? You know, that's typically the first step. Who here, you know, who would be interested next? I call it the food court test. You know, so what I mean is a lot of companies, you know, so we take a, a mall food court. You know, let's say I'm, I want to sell ice cream. So I could go into the food court and I could get up on a table and I could go Baskin and Robbins and look around. And a lot of people be like, what? And the people who know me might come over and be like, Daryl, what, what are you doing on the table, man? How are you doing? Like, what's going on? Come, on? come on down. How are you doing? What's going on? I'd be like, hey, what's got? I got this new ice cream and, you know, I for Baskin. Oh, okay, whatever. Right? That's one type of marketing. And that's about me, my company, my logo. Baskin and Robbins. That doesn't mean anything to anybody. No. If instead I got on a table at a busy food court and I went free ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different thing. People come be like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we have eight flavors. You can get a free sample of any you like. And then it's $3 for a tub of ice cream or $5 for two. Which flavor would you like to try first? Brilliant. Totally different analogy. Totally different situation. Totally different, right? Yep. And the flavors that I would make. I can make the flavors that I want. I could be like, ooh, cheese whiz and pickles, you know, <laughs> or bubble or like nuts and bubble gum together at last, right? Like, but that's for me. And you can experiment with that. Um, or I could just go on to Google and go ice cream, ice cream A, ice cream B, ice cream C, and be like, what are the top? Go to Google Trends. What are the top ice cream flavors? Hey, wow. these are I'm gonna make my top. Now I'm delivering something the world wants and needs and is looking for. That was such a good analogy, Daryl. That's really gold. I'm going to go onto Google Trends and see what I can. <laughs> There's just so – I think the hard thing for entrepreneurs is that there are so many things you need to be good at that you don't even know where to start half the time. Is it product okay. development? Is it sales? You know? Sales. You always sales. Start with sales because when people put their money down – and it, look, you can even go, look, you just be transparent. Look. I don't even have the product ready yet. This is what I'm thinking of doing. Would you be willing to put a percentage down to save your spot? Would you be willing to get a discounted deal if I give you, if you know, would, would you, you jump on early? Yeah. But people, people, like they say, the two hardest things to get people to do with you is have sex and give you money. They require the <laughs> highest level of faith and trust in, in a human relationship. And we all know people who maybe it's not so hard. <laughs> if I just walked up to a stranger on the street, and I ask them for money, it's going to be, they're going to react as if I asked them to just have sex with me. Like, who yeah. are you? I don't know what. I'm just going to give you my money. It's going to be the same sort of reaction. So you have to build that trust. And, but you also need to say, if, hey, if I'm going to build this amazing yeah, you know, product, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, are you, are you in or not? Like, what's going on? You know? And so, and then after that, it's really those eight categories, self-efficacy, strategic planning, marketing strategy, market intelligence, sales strategy and skills money management, operating systems of the business, and then business intelligence. And again, you need all of them. You need all of them. Those are the eight areas. But the number one thing is, you know, what problem am I solving? And are people proving the demand is there with their wallets? And it's not just my, what I want for my ego. 
but what is actually required out there in the world. And I think, yeah, that's a really, you know, even that answering that first question is a biggie. Oh, yeah. That, well, yeah. that pie analogy was a good one. Hey, Daryl, look, I've taken up enough of your time today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I yeah, highly recommend everyone go and check out the Best Business Podcast and then hope, hop over onto Best Business, what was it, dot .ca? Best Business bestbusinesscoach.ca go and see Daryl over there thanks very much Daryl bye everyone that's it this week for pushing the limits be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com 